0: Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. As always, I am your host, Daniel Gundlach. No preaching here, no lecturing, well, maybe just a tiny bit of each, but the primary spotlight will always be on the singers that enrich and enhance our lives, no matter what is going on in the world around us. Thanks for joining me. And now, this week's episode. One of my very favorite singers who this past week celebrated her 83rd birthday. I was in quite a conundrum last week because I wanted to post the episode then, but you may not know this. It is considered a true faux pas, whatever the word for faux pas is in German, to wish someone a happy birthday avant la lettre. Here I go again with the French. I don't know what's getting into me. I'm talking about Germany. But anyway. You get the idea. And since I don't post in the middle of the week, here's today's belated birthday tribute. There is a bit of legend surrounding that recording, and it's indisputably true. I think probably most of you know the story, or maybe not. In 1977, NASA sent it into outer space on the Voyager mission, the objective of which is to find out if there is life beyond planet Earth. They wanted to give examples of human music. Numerous recordings were assembled, and all were pressed onto a gold disc. Five of these selections were classical. Two pieces of Bach were chosen, the Beethoven Fifth, Stravinsky's Sacre du Printemps, and Etta Moser. The supreme queen of the night, to show the capabilities of the human voice. So maybe that's going to be my objective for today's episode, to show you the capabilities of Edda Moser's voice, because it was an extraordinary voice, it was a strange voice, it was a magnificent voice, it was a flawed voice, it was a thrilling voice. And that's not even to mention the artistry and the musical intelligence at work. Since that is my objective, I'm going to throw a few things at you, boom, 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 right at the beginning. So that was the first one. Now here, from a 1976 German television program, is Eda Moser singing Sempre Libera, with Franco Bonisoli heard at the end. This is from
1: 1976. <laughs>
0: this voice. Now for an example of its sheer, visceral power, and dare I even say it, glistening, penetrating, powerful high notes that evoke the memory of Leonie Rieseneck. Here's an example from the very end of a live performance of Flying Dutchman, Der fliegende Holländer, which took place I don't know when. Edda Mose took on a heavier repertoire, As she moved into the 1980s, the clip was not identified, but it is thrilling beyond belief. This is going to knock you on your ear. intelligence edda moser was a supreme leader singer one of my very favorites because the voice has so much color in it do you know you can take dictation from her german i was doing it earlier today just to see if i could do it and i don't think it's necessarily a tribute to my transcription capabilities but rather to the clarity of her diction I'm going to share just one Lied with you now, but at the end of the episode, we're going to revisit the Lieder singing of Edda Moser. This is a song by Clara Schumann to a text by Friedrich Röckert. It's called, Warum willst du andere fragen? This is a song that Clara's husband Robert published in a collection of his own songs, but it also has its own Discreet Life. The recording is from 1977, and Edda Moser is accompanied by her frequent partner, Eric Verba. Why are you seeking the advice of others who are not faithful to you? Only believe what these two eyes tell you. Don't believe strange fancies. Just look into my eyes. Are my lips silent to your questions? Or do they testify against me? Whatever my lips might say, look rather into my eyes. I love you. (laughs) Shit. <laughs> Edda Moser was born the 27th of October, 1938, in Berlin. Her father was the eminent musicologist and scholar Hans-Joachim Moser. In 2011, Edda Moser published her autobiography. It's called Ersungenes Glück, which is an almost untranslatable title, the reference to singing in the word ersungen is clear enough and something that is ersungen is something that has taken place in the past so ersungenes glück is not only the joy of having sung well but it also means achieved happiness which is one of the themes of the book itself in it Eda moser gives an unblemished portrait of her father who was an exceptional scholar, musician, singer, and a very complicated human being. But she describes, as a young child sitting underneath the piano, as he would accompany himself singing the Lieder of Schubert, Brahms, Schumann, and others. It's clear that he had a voice, because, in fact, I have dug up a number of fascinating recordings that he made in 1930 and 1931 for the Parlophone label that were to represent 2000 years of music history i'm going to offer you short clips from three of the sides the first is jewish cantorial chant the second is a troubadour song by rambo de Vaquerias called calenda maya and the third is a Minnesinger song by none other than Walter von der Vogelweide, and that's called Palestine Song. Needless to say, the fact that he would be performing Jewish music and acknowledging its importance was not a thing that would win him points of favor with the upcoming Nazi regime. This is a complicated issue which she discusses at length in the book, and which I've discussed before on the podcast, and I'm just not going to get into right now. These recordings were made in 1930 and
2: 1931, therefore, before Edda Moser was born.
0: studied in Berlin at the Hochschule der Künste. I have a recording that she made of an opera by the composer Boris Blacher. He's another complicated figure. In 1943, he composed a setting of Romeo and Juliet, and a recording of it was made I'm assuming this is from the days when Edda Moser was a student there, but it's not completely clear. Her Romeo is the wonderful tenor Werner Krenn, who of course went on to a really significant career as a Mozart singer primarily, but other things as well. The conductor of this performance is Paul Zacher, who was responsible for commissioning so much important 20th century work from composers like Hindemith, Bartók, and many others. This is an excerpt from the balcony scene of this fascinating and quite odd opera. There are numerous punctuating points in this piece where a cabaret singer introduces scenes, singing pieces that sound like they could have Come from Drei Oper. The main body of the opera is accompanied by a small ensemble of instruments, frequently just piano, and evokes Hindemith's Gebrauchsmusik to my ear, or the general movement in Germany at that time towards Neue Sachlichkeit, the new objectivity. That was so prevalent in many different forms of art. Mind you, it's all just made more curious by the fact that this piece was composed in 1943, which seems awfully anomalous to me. It's very strange. What's relevant to us today in the context of Edda Moser's career is to hear how the character of a voice was already so very clearly delineated and established.
1: <coughs>
3: du hier, Der Liebe leichte Schwingen trugen ich. So liebst du
1: mich? Ich weiß, du wirst du ja und will in Marve tragen.
3: Freilein, bei dem heiligen Mund ist eben dieser Bäume wie Fräulein. Oh, nicht beim Mond die verwundelt worden, der in seiner Scheibe wechselt,
0: Following her debut, engagements followed in Würzburg, Hagen, and finally, more substantially, as the second operetta soprano in Bielefeld. So her connection with operetta is not quite as deep-seated as her connection with Lieder, say, but she was very conversant in the style and gives many wonderful operetta performances, including some very famous ones on record. Here's a live performance from New Year's Day in 1975 at the Wiener Staatsoper. She sings Rosalinde in Die Fledermaus, and this is a portion of the Klänge der Heimat, the Big Chardash. The conductor, by the way, here is the legendary Anton Paulik, a very important figure in operetta, whom we have heard several times on the podcast. Through a series of chance encounters, Edda Moser came to know and work with the German composer Hans Werner Henze. We just heard a work of Henze's last week on the Barry McDaniel episode, the Oper der Junge Lord. It was Hans Werner Henze who immediately engaged Edda Moser for some very important performances, not just in Germany, but also in London. Her recordings of numerous cantatas and oratorios of Henze are legendary. Today I have something that's a little bit more off the beaten track. That's a 1968 recording made for the Westdeutschen Rundfunk with the conductor Christoph von Dohnanyi, whom we heard last week conducting Der Junge Lord. If I didn't mention the librettist for that work, I should have. It's the dramatist, writer, and poet Ingeborg Bachmann. She also provided the texts for this 1957 piece called Nachtstücke und Arien, Nocturnes and Arias. There are three orchestral movements between which there are two songs, the Arien, which are to texts by Ingeborg Bachmann. The text for the second of those Arias is called Freies Geleit, or Safe Conduct. The poem summons apocalyptic visions at the beginning, but then tells us that the earth gives us gifts, in return for which she wants safe passage into the open space of the night. The high-lying vocal writing of this piece is typical of the works of Henze that Moser sang and, in certain cases, created. Moser's father was an expert in Baroque and church music, and she also sang Baroque music throughout her career. In fact, I saw her sing the role of Armida in the Met production of Rinaldo by Händel, which was the first Baroque opera, I believe, that the Met had ever done. She was magnificent in that. I've listened to a recording of it recently. It's a little all over the place, and she's not the only one who's all over the place. But it's a valiant effort. For Baroque music, however, from Eda Moser today, I'm going to offer you an earlier recording that she made in 1967 of this work by Händel that's called the Brockes Passion because Brockes, Barthold Heinrich Brockes, is the one who wrote a standard passion text with all the contemplative arias and musings that one encounters. Bach uses a modified version of this, specifically in the Matthew. There are specific characters for all of the different singers in those meditative arias and recitatives, and I'm going to offer you an absolutely gorgeous duet between Mary and Jesus called Soll mein Kind mein Heiland sterben? Must my child, my Savior, die? In which she asks if... In effect, this cup could not be taken from him, and Jesus responds that he takes it unwillingly. In this recording, we hear Eda Moser as Mary and Theo Adam, that venerable East German bass baritone, singing the role of Jesus. This recording was made by August Wenzinger and the Schola Cantorum Basiliensis in
1: 1967.
0: another duet for you now, and it's from relatively early in Edda Moser's career. Appropriately, it is a Mozart duet. Based on her successes in the high-flying music of Henze, Edda Moser was given increasing opportunities to take on Mozart roles that exploited that same virtuosic aspect of her singing. She sang her first Queen of the Night, in the late 60s, her first Constanze shortly thereafter, and these roles, along with Donanna, became really central to her career as a Mozart singer. Mozart became the primary composer for Edda Moser, and she approached his work with both humility and fearlessness, and it makes for an absolutely stunning connection between singer and composer. This is from a live performance in Salzburg of the early Mozart opera Mitridate, Re di Ponto, and it's a duet with Arline Auger, another beautiful singer, more soft-grained than Edda Moser, and so it's wonderful to hear their contrasting timbres and their approaches to the filigree work that Mozart writes for their two voices. The Mozarteum Orchestra is led by Leopold Hager in this live 1971 performance. In the Joseph Losey film of Don Giovanni is justly famous, along with her recording of Queen of the Night with Wolfgang Savalisch that we heard at the top of the episode. For many people, that is their gateway to the artistry of Edamosa. She also sang Elettra in Idomeneo. I myself am particularly taken with her portrayal of the super villainess, if you will, Vitellia in La Clemenza di Tito. I'm going to play you her performance of Non Più di Fiori, Vitellia's Rondo from Near the End of the Opera. This is a live performance from Vienna at the Teatro der Wien on the 1st of July 1976, and Julius Rudel, very famous, of course, in the U.S., because he led City Opera for so many years, but, in fact, a native of Vienna. He leads the Wiener Symphoniker. Earlier I played you Edda Moser, singing Sempre Libera from that German TV program in 1976. It might surprise you to know, it kind of surprised me, that she was so exceptional in a number of Verdi parts. I have live performances of both Rigoletto and La Traffiata to play for you today. This is a portion of the reunion duet between Gilda and her father Rigoletto after she has been, well, let's just say after the Duke has had his way with her, and her father vows revenge while she begs him to restrain himself, because she's got a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome going on there. This performance is also from... Vienna. This is from the Staatsoper, and it's from 1973. The baritone here is the magnificent Costas Pascalis. Not a terribly well-remembered singer these days, but he was fest in Hamburg for many years. He actually sings Escamillo on Grace Bunbury's studio recording of Carmen. He was a supreme Verdi baritone, and you will hear. I want you specifically to listen for some of these Messa di Voce. There are two of them that he does here that are absolutely stunning, and I think his characterization is one for the ages, as is Eda Moser's. She really has the right feel for this music. The timbre's not particularly Verdian, but it doesn't bother me. In fact, I'm thrilled by this performance, which, by the way, is capped by frickin' amazing high notes from both of these extraordinary singers. ¶¶ but I think it was just two weeks ago that I did that episode on Verdi auf Deutsch. I'm so pleased that so many of you enjoyed it. At the time, it was all I could do not to include this next recording, but because I knew that I was going to be doing the Edda Moser birthday tribute, I thought, well, I'll save it. And let me tell you, you guys are in for a treat. It's Elisabetta's Act Five aria from Don Carlos. Du im Irdischen Van or Tu que le Vanita or Toi qui su le néant, which is the original French title. This performance is from 1973, and once again who do we have but Giuseppe Patane leading the Radio Symphony Orchestra Berlin? She is at her absolute peak here. It's one of the most magisterial performances of this aria that I know. I think that Edda Moser gives some of her most crackling good performances live. I like her recordings. I like many of them extremely much. I'm playing more live material for you today just because I think it's really fascinating to hear some of our favorite singers, what they were like when they were actually out there on stage performing, as well as in the recording studio. And by the way, we are very lucky to have such a large number of recorded performances by Edda Moser, both studio and live, which I encourage you all to delve into. This next one is a live performance of La Traviata from Wien in 1980. And who's turning up here again but Julius Rudell? I think these two artists clearly had a very strong musical connection. You can hear it. I'd love to play the whole act for you, because it's really exceptional. Very different than any other Violetta that I know. Just to name two off the top of my head that I've featured on the podcast before, Virginia Zeani and Iliana Kotrubash. both magnificent artists, very different from what Edda Moser offers here. She often has a steely quality to her sound. It doesn't trouble me. I hope it doesn't trouble you. But I was wondering how she would manage her timbre in a role like Violetta, especially in the final act where, of course, she's just about to give up the ghost. I'll let you be the judge of it for yourself. I'm featuring the section right after the Parigio Cara, because I want you to hear what Moser does with these supremely pathos-filled moments that follow that and lead into Grandio Morirsi Giovane. Another old friend shows up here as well, the Spanish tenor Alfredo Krauss, whom I have been featuring on all kinds of excerpts recently, and with good reason. He's always a superbly tasteful singer, and he's exceptionally passionate here. today's episode, I did quite a bit of cleaning up of these recordings, and not all of them sound fantastic, but I think they're clean enough to give you a picture of what's going on on the stage. Speaking of what's going on on the stage, in Salzburg, in August 1980, Eda Moser sang The Four Heroines in Les Contes d'Offmannes. In a production that was directed by Jean-Pierre Ponel and conducted by James Levine. Her Olympia is quite famous because, well, let's just say it's very distinctive. I've never heard anybody else do the sorts of things that she does. Now we're used to these pipsqueaky chicks singing high cues all over the place. Well, Edemoser doesn't do that. I'll let you look up the doll song if you want to hear it. It's worth hearing. It's fun. But I love the Antonia act, of course, because I'm so sentimental and I love melodrama and all that stuff. So I'm going to play a portion, of course, of the trio with Dr. Miracle and the portrait of Antonia's mother, the singer who comes to life and encourages her to sing. Of course, Antonia has a fatal illness that is worsened every time she sings. Dr. Miracle is anything but a miracle doctor. He is the devil incarnate, of course. And in the portion that we're going to hear, poor Antonia basically sings herself to death, urged on by this spectral portrait of her mother, also a famous opera singer who died of the same disease that is killing Antonia. I must mention Ada Moser's co-stars here. It's José Van Damme as Dr. Miracle and the marvellous velvet-voiced Jocelyne Taillon as her mother. Uh. I was completely bowled over when I discovered a live video from the Maggio Musicale in Florence of Edda Moser starring in a production of Gluck's Iphigenie en Tauride. It's one of those roles that. It's very challenging to cast, but both Regine Coespin and Maria Callas had enormous success in this role, as did Shirley Ferret, although it was rather late in her career. Ricardo Muti leads the orchestra here, and when I saw this video, the stillness, the solemnity with which Etta Moser carries herself, it's the kind of poise that only the greatest artists can manage. And she sings with such refinement. I was completely bowled over by this. And it was really interesting to read in her autobiography that she actually slimmed down to do this production. I think she was specifically asked to do so. They have her in this Dunning, white costume and a blonde fall wig, and she looks and sounds completely out of this world. I hope you enjoy this, unfortunately, very short excerpt. notes became less reliable, and the voice also grew in volume, Edda Moser began taking on a different kind of repertoire, and this engendered a certain amount of controversy. But I want to point out a couple things. First of all, we're about to hear her first assumption of the role of Leonora in Fidelio. But years before this performance took place in October 1985, she made a studio recording of the first version of Beethoven's Fidelio, which is called Leonore. And here would be, I guess, a good time for me to mention that I'm doing a bonus episode on Edda Moser, because I have been collecting some of her more obscure and difficult-to-find records, and I'd really like to offer excerpts from some of those to those of you who are my Patreon supporters. So, if you'd like to hear Edda Moser sing everything from Rameau to Karl Orff with some other surprises thrown in, like Nedda in Pagliacci and a live recital recording from Venice in 1987, or songs by Louis Ferdinand, the Prince of Prussia, as well as excerpts from a number of other live operatic performances... You know what to do. Go to patreon.com slash countermelody, where you can figure out how to become either a monthly supporter for any amount from $2 on up, or a yearly supporter for any amount from $25 on up. On that bonus episode, I will play you the first version of the Abscholicher Aria, as it's heard in that 1977 recording of Leonore with Herbert Blomstedt conducting. What I have for you right now is an excerpt from the Abscheulicher from Edda Moser's premier performances of Leonore in Fidelio. This took place at Kentucky Opera down in Louisville at the invitation of her friend and colleague Eugene Cohn, who leads the Louisville Orchestra here. I love her gleaming high notes. I love her extreme flexibility, her ability to tackle the enormous range of this aria, but also to find the humanity of the character. It's a beautiful, beautiful performance. I hope you like it. One of Eda Moser's most controversial assumptions was the title role of Richard Strauss' Salome. She sang it in both Paris and in Vienna. After her assumption in Vienna in February 1994, she decided rather spontaneously that she was going to retire from the operatic stage. She felt that she had given a performance that represented her very best. She has written and spoken a lot about the difficulty of maintaining a high standard of performance and how stressful that can be. And I think she felt that it was best to retire when she was at her very peak. I wish we had access to more of this performance than we do. All I could find was the very end of the opera. She makes a false entrance in Ich habe deinen Mund geküsst, but it's a live performance. And as they say in German,
3: Shit happens.
0: They do say that, by the way. Here is that very performance from February 1994. We briefly hear Josef Hopferweiser as Herod, and Peter Schneider leads the Wiener Philharmoniker. promised you all that we would conclude the episode with Edda Moser doing a number of Lieder. On her first studio Lieder recital, she sang songs of Richard Strauss and Hans Pfitzner. This recording was made in 1972, and Eric Verba is accompanying her. She gives what I think is the definitive performance of one of the most difficult of the Brentano Lieder, Als mir dein Lied erklang. This is a song of love and springtime and connection, and the song of the beloved that resounds through all of nature. It's written for a dramatic coloratura which is, I think, exactly the voice type that Eda Moser was at this point in her career. The next song shows us Edda Moser's way with Schubert, and it's one of his most challenging songs for soprano. It's called Delfine. The text is from a play called Lachrimas by the playwright Christian Wilhelm von Schütz. The character Delphine is just on the threshold of discovering love and sexuality and eroticism. This song with its high tessitura and throbbing accompaniment serves to evoke that feeling of a young woman standing at the threshold of her emotional life. The pianist here is Leonard hokenson who was, of course, Herman Prize primary pianist, and the recordings from nineteen eighty-three.
1: will ich tun.
0: having a discussion writing back and forth with a friend of mine who was telling me that he just doesn't like sopranos singing Brahms, that Brahms is really a low-voiced composer. But I think of things like, I don't know, the German Requiem, the soprano solo in that. I think that if you get the right kind of singer, that you can have a high voice making a very strong mark in Brahms' Lieder. I submit to you that one such singer is Edda Moser. It helps that she is in her absolute vocal prime in 1973, when she made this recording of the perennial favorite, Die Meinacht. The text is by Ludwig Hölti, and it depicts the poet alone in nature as the moon twinkles above him. Everywhere he encounters signs of pairs of creatures in love. Two cooing doves cause him particular anguish. He tears himself away from those joyous visions and goes more deeply into the darkness. Will I never find that partner whom I have desired for so long whom I have sought for so long and the solitary tear flows burning down my cheek. Eric Verba is the pianist. I was already ready to wind up the episode with one last number, and then, at the very last minute, I discovered an extraordinary 1980 recording from Milano of a concert version of Die Lustige Witwe, The Merry Widow. Of course, Edda Moser made a very famous studio recording of this, which is really exceptionally lovely, but this version if anything, is even dreamier. For one thing, you hear the singer in the creamiest voice in which I have ever heard her. And second, the conductor, the Croatian Lovro von Matacic, takes such a slow tempo that it's just like swimming through honey. I normally thought of him as a very dynamic conductor, but not here, He's just so relaxed and laid back, and it's wonderful listening to the chorus sing in their Italian-accented German, and that gorgeous diminuendo that Edemosa does at the very end on that high B. It's exquisite, and I think it's actually a really nice way to conclude the singing portion of this episode. Moser had retired from opera. She took up a position at the Musikhochschule in Cologne, where she taught for many years. She brought exacting standards, technical expertise, and interpretive insight, and bestowed them upon her students, who blossomed under her guidance. Something that Eda Moser has been involved with in recent years is her single-minded efforts to reawaken interest in the German language and poetry and leader. It's not always easy to be a standard bearer. And I think that when one is in a position like this, as was incidentally also Regine Crospin in her attempts to preserve the integrity of the French language, One can sometimes encounter misunderstandings among those who are not in agreement with such a stance. But I believe that to move forward, one also has to be willing to look backward and absorb all of the lessons and the culture and the richness that there is to be gained from such a backward glance. In recent years, Edda Moser has sponsored various iterations of A Festspiel der deutschen Sprache, a celebration of German language and culture. And she has also made a number of recordings where she reveals herself to be a narrator of extraordinary sensitivity and perception. Thank you for joining me for this birthday tribute in my exploration of this exciting, deeply satisfying singer, one who has played a big role in my life. Es war mir eine Freude, sie heute auf diese begnadete Sängerin aufmerksam zu machen und mit ihnen ihr Leben und ihre Kunst zu feiern. Wir wünschen Ihnen, Frau Moser, alles Gute und einen freudigen und friedlichen nächsten Jahreslauf. In closing today, I have an example of Edda Moser reading a poem that is very dear to the hearts of many German people. It's by the poet Matthias Claudius, and the poem is Der Mund ist aufgegangen. It's an evening song that evokes the moon, the stars, and nature, and ends with an invocation to the great being. To watch over all of us as we sleep. The poem was set to a melody by Johann Abraham Peter Schulz, which has acquired the status of almost a folk song. It is this tune, as well as Heinrich Isaac's Innsbruck Ich muss dich lassen, that the pianist Ivan Turch combines beautifully as underscoring to. Adamosis Recitation of the Poem
4: Der Mond ist aufgegangen. Die goldenen Sternlein prangen am Himmel, hell und klar. Der Wald steht schwarz und schweiget. Und aus den Wiesen steigt der weiße Nebel, wunderbar. Wie ist die Welt so stille und in der Dämmerunghülle so traulich und so hold, Als eine stille Kammer, wo ihr des Tages jammer, verschlafen und vergessen sollt. Seht ihr den Mond dort stehen? Er ist nur halb zu sehen und ist doch rund und schön. So sind wohl manche Sachen, die wir getrost verlachen, weil unsere Augen sie nicht sehen. Wir stolzen Menschenkinder, sind eitel arme Sünder und wissen gar nicht viel. Wir spinnen Luft, Gespinste und suchen viele Künste und kommen weiter von dem Ziel. Gott, lass dein Heil uns schauen, auf nichts Vergänglichs trauen, nicht Eitelkeit uns freuen. Lass uns einfältig werden und vor dir hier auf erden wie kinder fromm und fröhlich sein wollst endlich sondergrämen aus dieser welt uns nehmen durch einen sanften tod Und wenn du uns genommen, lass uns in den Himmel kommen, du unser Herr und Gott. So legt euch denn, ihr Brüder, in Gottes Namen nieder. Kalt ist der Abendhauch, verschon uns Gott. Mit Strafen Und lass uns ruhig schlafen Und unseren kranken Nachbarn
0: Auch My dear friends, keep the song in your hearts I'm Daniel Gundlach